Well, hello there and welcome back to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. I am so glad that you are here. So glad, in fact, that I'm doing a little happy dance on my chair right here. I love to celebrate everything and today I am celebrating you. Now, did you know that it's possible to feel good in motherhood? You can now download the High Vibe Toolkit. It's a mom's guide to taking yoga off the mat and into your life. It's the only guide designed to help moms feel alive and keep their yoga vibe flowing both on and off the mat, no matter what comes next. So you can go to highvibetoolkit.com or click the, the link in the show notes for instant access. Now, speaking of high vibes, I think you're going to love today's guest. Renee Fick is on a mission to help moms rise above the chaos and overwhelm and trade exhaustion and that never-ending to-do list for a life with more joy. Now, during these, this episode, we talk about reframing what decluttering means. It's so much more than just cl- clearing out the physical stuff in your home. It's decluttering inside and out. Now, we talk about breaking it down into small, doable pockets of time and how decluttering actually adds more time back into your life when done right. And she shares the magic of 15 minutes that I really think you're gonna love. So is it possible to rise above the chaos and overwhelm of motherhood and experience more joy? Have a listen and Renee is gonna show us how it's done. This is the Vision Driven Mom podcast and I'm your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman for moms, by moms who believe that anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories from moms that have journeyed through motherhood, from fear, loss, and heartbreak, to healing, empowerment, and success. Motherhood is truly the journey of a lifetime, so let's enjoy the ride together. Welcome back to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. I am your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman, and today we have Renee Fick. Now, Renee is a mom of three, an occupational therapist, an advocate for moms who desire more grace, space, and rest within their lives. Beautiful. She's found strength beyond her own to navigate life's struggles, multiple miscarriages, life with three kids, working mom life, stay-at-home mom life, and a husband with a brain tumor and seizures. She's the founder of the Rising Moms Club, a community for moms who are ready to rise above the chaos and overwhelm of life and busy days, trade exhaustion and the never-ending to-do list for a life with more joy. She is the host of the annual More Than Mom Summit, the Great Clutter Clear-Out Challenge, and the host of Rising Moms Podcast. She can be found at www.reneefick.com. That's R-E-N-A-E-F-I-E-C-K. All right, Renee, welcome to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. It's lovely to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about Rising Moms and how you got to be where you are today? Yeah. So, well, going just a little bit backwards in memory lane was Uh about five years ago was when my third baby was born. And that year was the year that I, my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor Mm. and then he started having seizures and just like the whole navigating of all of that. And then he could no longer drive. 
I had been offered my dream job, which came right at that same time, which they were so thankful. I'm so grateful to them that they held off and like me starting work until my husband's stuff was all sorted through. But it just launched me into this year of working, driving everybody everywhere, feeling like I was the only person that could do any of that because my husband couldn't drive. And so a year later, feeling so burnt out, and so exhausted and so frustrated. I was like nipping at the kids. I was anxious. I was irritable. Like that monster mom that people talk about was like my daily life. And it felt just so much like this hamster wheel every single day, like doing and doing and doing and going and going and going. And yet never feeling like I was making progress in any area. None of it felt like it was really bringing me much joy. And I felt like the, you know, everybody says like your kids are only little for a short period of time. You've got to enjoy it and you've got to make the best of it. And it felt like I can't, like this is awful and I feel so bad. And so at that time I reached out to some friends thinking, well, maybe it's postpartum depression. You know, like my baby's only a couple months old. Like maybe that's part of it. And everybody just kept giving me this resounding, like, no, this is just mom life. Mm. I was like, well, then this kind of sucks because I don't want to keep going on this trajectory. Like this sucks. And I remember being in Hawaii on our 10 year anniversary trip and like getting out of the car and slamming the car door shut and like walking down the road. I'm like, I'm leaving. (laughs) Like, I'm not going home. I'm not going to do this. I'll stay in Hawaii. My husband can take the kids home. He can deal with it. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And so that was kind of that line drawn in the sand moment of realizing like something I'm doing isn't working like the, you know, and I have a mentor of mine now that talks about like the habit or our life is a makeup of the habits that we've had in our life. And so I was like, Mm. okay, well the habits that are the things that I'm doing in my life right now are not working. So I need to try something different. And so that was kind of that pivot point of figuring out what do I need to do? How am I going to clear it out? And so it's been this navigation of trying to figure out what are those most impactful things and what has made the biggest difference for me. And that's where the rising mom, club came as I was like trying to share all of this with other people. And then now getting to this place of realizing like how much the clutter in all areas of our life and how impactful that is in like going back to you, like how it it derails us from that ultimate vision of like what we want to create. And so how do we get rid of that so that we are as laser focused in on that, that matters the most to us. Yeah. Gosh, Renee, we, we, um, it's, we sound very similar. I know. In that, yeah, that realization that, that, well, this is not what I planned for. Yeah. <laughs> this is not what I, this is not what I, I didn't sign up for this. Is yes. this what I signed up for? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, this motherhood thing was not supposed to be like this. Like this was supposed to be fun and mom, enjoyable moments and those cute little cuddly memories and things. And even, you know, looking back, like I had those, I remember right. like the, even just recently I was snuggling my five-year-old, she couldn't sleep. So I was like r- pivoting because I don't have a rocking chair anymore. It was like an yeah. office chair and I'm like swiveling back and forth and back and forth. And she's, you know, covering from my face all the way down to my knees and like huge. And right. sat there just thinking about like, gosh, all of those nights and all of those moments that I sat there rocking in the mm. chair, you know, like, and how right. many, how many of those did I truly actually savor because I wanted to be there versus how many did they feel like an obligation, you know, right. and just kind right. of that realization. Yeah. I, I yeah. get that. I get that. I had a, my, my son was, um, no, he was he was premature, and he um, he almost died when he was not even supposed to be here yet. And so mm-hmm. I, we went through a really difficult time in the beginning, um, yeah. and 
and he also he had to be on me all mm-hmm. the time like mm-hmm. we he, he had some sensory stuff so he had to i mean literally on my body for yeah. most of a year and you know I look back and I think, you know, he's 13 now. And I think, and he's huge. He's almost, he's, he's about in my eyebrows now. So he's, he's getting really big. And I think back on all of that time that I had with him on my body. And, and did I, I mean, I was always focused on something else yeah. you know, during that time. And I, I, you know, I mean, we're not alone, Renee. Yeah. <laughs> I know that we're yeah. not, I'm not alone in those feelings. Um, but, but the, um, you know, but, but that we can, we don't have to, we don't, we have to be a hundred percent all the time, but to just mm-hmm. every once in a while to turn on that, that mm-hmm. mindful, like, wow, what a gift I created this being, you yes. know, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, and I think even just like highlighting there, like if you're in that phase and you're feeling those feelings of like, oh, I just want to put them down that it, don't feel guilty about it either. Right. Like, I think that's so easy for moms to be like, gosh, I should be enjoying this right now. And it's just so hard. I don't, I can't enjoy it. And then that tension of guilt over that comes yeah, in. And so it's even worse, right? Yes. Like embracing that there is a different way, but at the same time as like be honoring those feelings and right where you're at. So, and don't feel guilty that it's frustrating. Exactly. And because it is, it it can't be frustrating and it's okay. Uh And we can feel those feelings and, and, and also enjoy them as well. Yeah. So, um, so I would love to hear more about, about rising moms and, um, the rising moms club. Yeah. And then if you can go into the, the decluttering, because I, I love this, you know, we tend to think of decluttering as, you know, going drawer by drawer and your decluttering is so much bigger than that. It's so mm-hmm. much more impactful. Yeah. Well, so initially when I started the rising moms club, I had the four, my four key frame, my four steps to my framework. And one of them was the priorities. So kind of having that vision priority driven was foundation number one. And then foundation number two was simplifying. So getting rid of some of that stuff that is in our life that we don't want there, whether that be physical stuff or whether that be, you know, saying yes to the bake sale or mm-hmm. any of those other things. Um, number three was automating and delegating. So there's a lot of things that moms we take on and that we just do without even really paying attention that there's some of the stuff we can get off our shoulders. Like our kids are more than capable to help out in certain ways. There's certain things that we maybe could delegate. You know, if you don't have the funds to hire somebody to come do something, you know, there's plenty of neighbors or friends or other people in our community that have skill sets that we don't have. And when we work together as a community and and trade some of that, sometimes Mm -hmm. that can be really powerful too. And then number four was living in a rhythm and understanding that there are seasons of our lives. There's rhythms like women in particular, we have different hormone levels each and every single month. Like there, we have rhythms. We're not stagnant and staying the same and have to be like driven hundred percent all of the time. And so that was kind of where the rising moms came from. It was those four pillars. Now over time, it's sort of morphed into helping people really specifically dive into that clutter area. So that's step number two and um, helping them clear out that clutter in their homes because it's so impactful. We don't even really realize it sometimes, but that visual clutter of having stuff on every wall, having stuff on every surface, Mm -hmm. having stuff everywhere, it really can leave us feeling, A, like there's always something to do. And then that feeling of always something to do doesn't allow us to actually take a break or rest because 
then comes back that guilt, right? Like you sit down at the end of the day and you're like, ah, I don't want to sit down and take a break and just hang out with my spouse on the couch because there's dishes in the sink or there's stuff, there's stuff to do. So like you never get to that feeling of turning things off. And so it can feel that like constant state of anxiousness. Like there's always something to do. And then we're always adding more to the to-do list. And then three, it feels like that feeling of that hamster wheel every single day, we're doing the same things over and over and over again. We're just picking up the same toys. We're doing the same dishes. We're doing the same, like, and then it doesn't ever feel like there's any progress. It's the monotony of the same thing. So by decluttering in that physical space, you're actually able to reduce the amount of things so that you're not spending as much time doing it And then Mm -hmm. it creates this momentum and kind of exponential in a sense, like that, you know, if today you spend a short period of time actually decluttering and not just cleaning, and then tomorrow you did it again and again and again, eventually you're going to have fewer things. It's going to take you way less time to do it. So that's sort of how I navigated into the clutter space. And I feel like so many moms are just overwhelmed in their house. Like immediately you walk into the house and you look around and it's like, oh. That just sense of dread when in theory, I feel like our homes need to be that sanctuary. They need to be a safe space, like a place where, you know, you feel really amazing so that you can be that really amazing feel towards your kids and create that energy and that, that environment. So yeah, Yeah. that was kind of like a long little nutshell, but that is kind of how I got started. But that is, I mean, the, the, um, I think for one thing, first of all, we have so much more than we've ever had. Yes. Our kids have more toys than they, I mean, I do go through, uh, through, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, I, I have a running bag of things to go to Goodwill or to the yep. rescue mission all the time. Like I'm constantly, yep. um, but there's always more stuff that comes in the house, you know? Yes. And it's, um, it's, it's hard. And you were talking yeah. about your, you're picking up the same toys. I know it's the, my, my son is, um, is 13 and he's still, he loves his Legos. So we have been, we have been living with Legos for about yeah. 10 years now and they <laughs> yeah. all come into the living room every single day. Yeah. <laughs> right? And they all have to leave the living room every single day. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited to hear more about your, um, your, and I love what you said about, you know, taking the time now, like that it actually, it, you take the time now and, and a lot of times, oh, it's going to take too much time, mm-hmm. but then we actually, we actually save time by doing it now. Can you speak a little more about that? Yeah. So that's one of the common things that I hear from a lot of moms is that that feeling of decluttering has to be this like run through the entire house and get rid of everything all at one time, sort of an idea, or they, they watch like Marie Kondo or they watch, they read the book, like how to tidying up or the art of whatever. I haven't even read it, but whatever that book is, the art of tidying up, or they read these things and they think like, well, gosh, I have to go through everything and per everything. And that a doing it all at one time can feel really overwhelming. And, you know, you go in there and you start pulling things out and then all of a sudden you've ended up into this big project and it's exhausting. And then, you know, you're like, Oh, well now I have to make dinner in the middle of this. And then your whole space is all torn apart. And then you're frustrated because you have to move on and it just, it can be too much. So, I find that for many moms, particularly busy moms and the working moms or that have other stuff going on is focusing on small manageable wins Mm -hmm. that can be done in small chunks of time. So my emphasis is 15 minutes, because if you can 
put on uh, music, you turn off the cell phone, you give the kids something to do for 15 minutes, like laser in for 15 minutes, you'd be surprised what you could get done in 15 minutes. And then if you do that 15 minutes today, and then, so maybe today you clean out your silverware drawer and tomorrow you clean out the knife drawer. And then the day after that, you clean out the underwear drawer and you do one task at a time so that you're consistently clearing stuff out. But over the course of 30 days or a year or whatever, like imagine what's going to happen when you're using just those small little pockets of time and you're doing small little things. And what oftentimes happens is so many moms that that it's that momentum, like that first step, that's the hardest one. So when you can focus on just 15 minutes, it's like, okay, I can do 15 minutes, you know, instead of like, oh, I have to do this like full eight hour, then I'm going to have to host a garage sale and then I have to figure out where it's going to go. And then I have to, and and all of those types of things keep people feeling overwhelmed and not starting in the first place. So, and then. So these small little pockets of just like 15 minutes at a time, it makes it so that it's manageable. It's something sustainable. And then it's something that we then now have as a habit, right? It's something that's a part of our life. And so what it does, like you talked about, like the stuff coming into the house, that's a big part of decluttering too, right? Right. It's like, we have to pay attention to that stuff that's coming in at the same time. And so when you're constantly clearing stuff out and constantly focused on these small little pockets of time, it makes you way more intentional about the stuff that's coming in because you know that for everything that's coming in, it's costing you your time, you know, like it's your time cleaning it. It's your time picking it up. It's your time fixing it when it breaks. It's your time. Like you start to value your time a little bit differently. And so you take things in a little bit differently. So I used to be one of those people that took in free items. Like somebody's like, Hey, I have this box of, you know, random doodads that I don't want anymore. Do you want them? And I would be like, sure, I'll take them. And I would take it. And then go through and be like, gosh, there's very little in here I wanted. And now I look at it as like, if me taking that free item in, that's costing me my time to actually sift through it and sort through it. It's costing my time having to clean it and manage it and all of those types of things. So unless it's something like 100%, I'm a heck yes, I need that. <laughs> like I don't take free items anymore. Right. So it really just put the shift on where is your time being spent? How can we use small pockets to gain some of that back? Um and spend less time doing just those everyday things that people think are essential. Like we think that they have to be done, but it all is about just picking and choosing what of those habits we put in there. Yeah. I love what you, what you just said about the things coming in when my kids were, when I, when I had babies, you know, so they grow huge amounts in that first year. So I had, I had a friend, one friend in particular, and she would give me her, her son was, um, was a little bit older than mine. So she would give me these boxes full of three month old and six month old. And, and I took them all Renee Uh and I spent more time sorting through clothes and then passing, passing them on to the next friend. Yeah. I, if I were to go back, I would not do that. I know. <laughs> because, I know. because then not only, not only was it taking up my time, my headspace, and then it would have to store it, right? Uh-huh. Because you're not, you know, you're, what are you going to do with this, all the six, you know, a big box of six month old or nine month old or 12 month old clothes. Um, and then the, who's it going to go to and what's, mm. oh my gosh. 
yeah. so much. When I think back on all that time, I could be, could have been doing so <laughs> many else. other things. Yes. Right, right. But I really love that 15 minutes. Like we yeah. all, if we don't have 15 minutes in our day to, um, to just, you know, to, to focus on us, really. I mean, I guess we can think about, or, you know, for me, I, I would probably take 30 because I like to listen to podcasts. So, okay, mm-hmm. well, 30 minute podcast, yep. I can, I can, I can do this in 30 minutes and enjoy myself and I'm making progress. And yes. I love that. So, so you have people do that every day. Yes. Like 15 yeah. minutes a day. Okay. I love the habit yeah. part of that. And I mean, after a while, like for me, I don't intentionally focus on like, Hey, here's my 15 minute chunk anymore. I'm constantly asking myself that like every time, like last night I picked up this, there was a headband that was on the floor and it was like one of those cheap plasticky ones. It had little kitty ears on it and thought, but I was like thinking back, I'm like, I picked it up. I've, you know, how many times have you picked it up? But the kids, they, they, is it an A, is it an absolute necessity that we have to have? Is it something that really brings them joy? Is it something that I spend more time picking up than actually being used or worn or whatever. And so it was just that question of like, Hey, we don't need this anymore. Like, why, why do we have this out? It's like one of those extra things. It's just a burden. It's taking my time, picking it up all the time. And so I'm constantly asking myself that every single time I pick Mm -hmm. something up or put something away. So it's almost like if I were to look at my life, I'm probably decluttering 12 hours of the day, you know, like I'm always just like, because it's constant in the back of my head of like, what is most important for me right now? What do I want in here? And so for me, it's just this automatic way of living. And Mm -hmm. that's what I really would love to see other women get to, but it's kind of starts with that 15 minute chunk. It starts with just being really focused or like you, like putting on the headphones and doing it for 30 minutes while you, you know, do something else like, or like uh declutter or whatever. I'm lost my train of thought, but, right. and I even love that for like laundry. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like that. And you and I have talked about this, this, just the way we phrase it, right? Like there's the, Oh, I have to do laundry where for me, if I can turn on a show that I really enjoy watching mm-hmm. and I can get a glass of wine and I can sit there and fold laundry, watching a show that I maybe don't have time to really do, but I want to right. and drink a glass of wine. It can transform your whole experience with laundry. Yes, yes. From this, like, I have to do this to, I get to do this. Like, oh, I get to do this. This is my special time at the end of the day to watch a show and drink a glass of wine and I can fold laundry at the same time. Mm, so I it love can that. change a lot when we look at, or like making your bed, you know, making your bed, it can be, a, I have to make my bed every day, or it can be, Hey, this is an act of self-care because when I make my bed, I feel so much better. And then I, right. my energy is better throughout the day. And I am a much better mom throughout the day. So I get to make my day or my bed because it's an act of self-care for me. Yeah. So it can shift and change a lot of those monotonous things that we have to do. And yeah. Yeah. You know, here's something that, that, um, for me, the making the bed, I started doing this, um, you know, I wonder if I heard it on your podcast, <laughs> maybe possibly, but, and I've done it periodically throughout, throughout the years, but I recently picked it back up making the bed. Uh-huh. It is the one thing that will stay done all day long. Like it's the one thing <laughs> that I, that I can count on to be like a, like a given, you know, I make the bed and unless my kids are wrestling on it See, um, during the my day, bed doesn't stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, unless, but unless they're wrestling on it, it it's done. 
and, yeah. it, and I can walk through it because my I, I have a you know I use the the master bathroom and I walk through and there's my and it's just a yeah. peaceful feeling and it's a little yes. tiny thing but it yes. also is a, it's a decluttering my mind you know yes oh it's peaceful yes. yeah can you talk a little bit more about the the mind decluttering because I yep. really I really resonate with that yeah so there's a lot of research out there particularly in the workspace that the environment that we're in has a direct relationship to our stress levels mm -hmm. and our productivity levels our energy like so much of that so some of it comes from visual clutter some of it comes from that like i talked about at the beginning that sense of like almost anxiety like there's always something to do right like you can't right. you're jumping from one thing to the next to the next and like on your computer it's the same thing you've got like 50 million tabs open and you're not focused on one you're going from one to the next to the next to the next and we lose a lot of productivity and efficiency that way right. but beyond that just those running thoughts that are inside our head all day long so you can see like like you just talked about your bed having that made it's giving you that little bit of sense of calm and a little bit of sense of peace. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine if your entire living room was like that mm. or your entire kitchen was like that, you know, and that that feeling like if you go on vacation and you go in, you walk into an Airbnb or a hotel or wherever and you walk in and it's like perfectly pristine as soon as you walk in, just right. that sense of like, I get the ability to relax right now, how that just has that sense of feeling on you and immediately can like lower that stress level. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of research in just that like the actual physical stuff that you have in your space impacts your internal sense of feeling good yeah. but on the opposite side of that if you are inside your head always feeling busy and frantic and overwhelmed and chaos and and just over all of that sort of feeling mess your environment oftentimes reflects that yeah. so they kind of go back and forth like hand in hand it's like that chicken or the egg which one comes first because mm -hmm they both are impacting each other, right? So taking care of your physical space can give you that little bit of, like just starting with one little space can give you that little bit of openness to be able to then work on some of the internal stuff. And then once you dig into some of the internal stuff, it like bounces back and helps you clear out more stuff in your space. And so they kind of are this like ping pong back and forth where we kind of want to work on both of them. But it really is about all of that mental load, the decision fatigue that moms are holding, you know, like right. inside our heads, we're trying to manage the baseball practice and the, the what's for dinner tomorrow night. And, oh, I've got to make sure the kids get their homework done. And, and, oh, I got to get, get the laundry in. And I've got like all of that mental clutter, right? Like right. all of those thoughts that we are having inside of our heads every single day, that, is almost more taxing than just the physical stuff. But once yeah. we've got all that mental stuff spinning around and spiraling inside of our head, it creates that chaos and overwhelm in us. And then our environment then replicates that. Right. And then it's this like catch 22 downward spiral from there where it's like, we got to stop one of them. And which one are we going to stop first? And then let them ping pong off each other to kind of create that space and that clarity. But oftentimes starting with the physical clutter clearing out a little bit allows that space to like then take some stuff off that mental load right. and slow that down and then they kind of 
bounce back and forth and help each other, but you cannot just go through your space and clear it out and expect to feel calm and peaceful without working on some of that internal stuff. And then vice versa. You cannot focus on just the internal space and expect that you're going to feel calm and peaceful when your house is a hot mess either. (laughs) There's so much research that supports that. Like it's almost like our house and us is it, it, they're an extension of each other. Mm -hmm. They go back and forth. So you know, all those feelings of like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Mm. This is too much. Plus all of that stuff of like the to do the running list inside our heads, like paying attention to all of that that's going on inside of there. Yeah. The mental clutter. And I, mm-hmm. I really do believe, you know, it is a, it is an inside out job, right? Yeah. It's, it's the clearing the mental clutter inside first in those thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. d- just shifting those thoughts when we, when we start to go into that overwhelm or that feeling, you know, oh, and this and this, and, you know, I sometimes feel like, um, you know, not necessarily right this minute because we are where we are, but, um, but that like, like I am in charge of the logistics for everybody's life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot. And, 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 but when you are more able to, you know, it's mind management, when you can yeah. manage your mind, yes. you're better able to, and when you're, when you can, I, I call it harmony, mm-hmm. you can have harmony. Um, I'd like harmony better than balance. Cause there's not no true, you know, people want um, moms, especially want that work-life that balance. Yeah. I, I call it harmony because it's not really, you know, when you're focused on one thing, you're not focused on another. So you don't really, I think that's elusive, but yeah. when you can find that harmony within yourself, you can see it on the outside more easily, yeah. you know? And I also love, you know, going back to the, um, to the, uh, what you, the first point that you were talking about, about the, the just 15 minutes yeah, and, and that you can, you know, go through a drawer or go through, you know, and when I, I work with, I don't, don't go as deep into decluttering, but I do go into the mind and the, um, and the, uh, the space decluttering with clients, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but just focusing on that, you know, one box, like mm-hmm. we're not going to do the whole garage this yeah. weekend. No. We're not going to do that. We're going to focus on one thing at a time. And I am really big into celebrating wins. Yes. So look at that. You have already, if you follow Renee's uh, Renee's system of every day, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you have 365 easy wins, yep. micro wins. Every single yep. day you're getting a win. And then yes. I like to think that the more that we have, the more wins we celebrate, the more we get to sell, the, the more wins we get to celebrate, right? The, yes. the more we yeah. celebrate, the more we get to celebrate. So it's kind yeah. of, that it's a muscle that celebrating the yep. wins, right? So I love well, that yeah. too. And- yeah. And I mean, as an occupational therapist, that's what I do. And we're in a work, I actually work in the NICU. So it's kind of ironic mm-hmm. that like your son was preemie and stuff, but the, the, the way our brains work is that we have these neural pathways, right? Like as a therapist that I work in both in the NICU and with adults who are rehabbing after a stroke, like the mm-hmm. most effective our brains are, or when we're, they're working in habit and they're working in routine. Because what it does is it's like a pathway inside of our brain is developed and it makes it, it's, it, our brains strive on efficiency. Like what's going to get us the, the most amount of bang for our buck without burning as much calories as possible. Like, so it's, the, it's emphasis is on efficiency. So when it has that pathway established, it's going to take the road less 
that's less difficult to get down, right? So if you've just taken 15 minutes and 15 minutes and 15 minutes, what you're doing internally is rewiring your brain for a new habit. And then that new habit then is going to become more efficient. It's going to become more automatic. It's going to be, like you said, every time you celebrate that win, it helps lay the foundation for that neural pathway in your brain saying like, this feels good this feels good. And our brains want to do things that feel good. So if you're celebrating that win and you're doing it consistently over and over and over again, your brain's going to say like, Hey, this is a path that we need to lay down. We need Mm -hmm. to make this, this part of our brains. And so it makes it just become so much easier over time. And then, you know, it's like, into the whole neuro part of it, but like in, in externally, when you're doing something that feels good, you want to do more of what makes you feel good. And so focusing on that small little win is huge. Yeah. And I love, I love what you said about, um, about the neural pathways and that we can, that we can change those pathways, right? Mm -hmm. We can change, let's say you have a a habit of like I did taking in the things, right? We can create new, no, it does have, there's an override, you know, and there's, there's kind of a learning curve and a, and a a redirecting, but that, but that you can create new healthy neural pathways. Like you can, you can talk your mind into, but this is easier. Yeah. And we're going to celebrate this and this is going to be fun and it's going to be easy or easier anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. I love that you talk about the neural pathways and, and bless you for working in the NICU because you, you you know what, you know, where I've been. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The people that the, um, the people in the NICU, I mean, um, yeah, in the children's hospital, just it's just a little little side note, but thank you because you yeah. um, the work that you do is important and help it helps us who feel helpless, the, the parents who feel helpless when you've got this little tiny baby. Anyway, that's just that's an offshoot, <laughs> just but side note, yeah, just a little side note. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, uh, so let's talk about that um, about the the how decluttering um, and and focus and intention. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, that the, the intention of living with less. And, and I think sometimes, so my husband, I, th- I had an experience when, um, when I was in my twenties where I didn't have a place to live for about six mm-hmm. months. So the, my place, the, the, um, my living situation, uh, fell through and I lived like I put all my stuff in storage and I lived out of a, um, a uh, laundry basket in my back and in, in back back of my car um and i you know i slept on friends um floors and on their couches and for about six months but it really taught me a lot about storage yeah <laughs> and all the stuff like do i and i'm i love books right i'm i've just i've always loved books since i was a kid so i have a i guess you could say i have a little book problem sometimes <laughs> but i had to go through the books like why do i need to be carrying these textbooks with me yep. through my life when i'm never going to go back to you know um the whatever it is mm-hmm. you know, biology or whatever it was that i'm carrying with me um but I, so I started with that. I'm not a minimalist, but I do like to live with less. I yeah. always have a running, a running uh, basket of things that are going out of the house. Yeah. My husband has a great attachment to things. So we kind of have a, oh, it's tough. Um, but, uh, and oh, I was going somewhere with this focus and intention on living with less that, well, I guess it was that, you know, some people have, um, emotional attachment to things. Yeah. And, um, 
but that is, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you work with that? And what do you, what, yeah. do, what's your advice on that? Yeah. Well, and I think it's just important kind of important to point out that we do all have our histories with yeah. stuff and all of those lessons that we've learned over the years, whether it be things that you learned as a child, you know, if you came from a family that was very poor and didn't have much things, you might have uh, created stories around that about like, you want to hold on to stuff as you get older because you're fearful if you're not going to have enough, or right. maybe you learn to let go of everything and like nothing really matters. Like it doesn't matter. Like everybody's stories and interpretations of all of it is so unique, but mm -hmm. recognizing and understanding that our, our childhoods and our adulthoods and our life experiences all play into our perception and our beliefs about stuff and what we think about that and whether it be actual tangible stuff or money or whatever. So recognizing that first off is huge and that it's more than just like, hey, let's fill a box and send it to Goodwill. Correct. There's a lot of attachment to that, whether it be the emotions behind like where it came from, who gave it to you, or if it's even deeper than that, like, am I going to have enough in the future? Will I have what I need? Will mm -hmm. I be taken care of? Mm -hmm. Is this a part of my worth? Is this part of my identity? Like there are so many different layers to why we actually hold on to stuff that bringing some of that intention in there and asking ourselves, some of those deeper questions of why am I holding on to this? What is this right. telling me? What is this for? What is this giving me? And instead of just holding on to things just because. So asking those questions is really important. And then you brought up your your husband and like that brings into the, the picture too that there's other people in our households that have very different perceptions and interpretations of their stuff as well and so right. when we come in maybe we get all excited we're like gosh less stuff in my house is going to be less stress i'm all on board let's do this let's go we're all gung-ho and then we hit a brick wall with our spouse or our kids or whatever and so understanding too that they come into it with their own mm -hmm. different stories and interpretations but also like particularly with our kids there's different developmental levels like right. they're learning different things and they're acquiring different things inside their head and their brains are growing very differently so understanding how to approach them in that space and and where they're at can be really empowering and very helpful rather than just going in and saying like hey we're gonna declutter your room we're gonna get rid of right. all these toys like so that's really valuable but uh, understanding that we don't have to get everybody on board to right. have the impact that we want. You know, like I went through and decluttered. Yes, I helped declutter the kids' rooms and different things like that initially, but I highly don't recommend my my clients actually start there. There's lots of spaces in your house that you could declutter and get some of that sanity back and get set back some of that peace and that calm without having to touch anybody else's stuff in their house. Right, like right. even now I've been on this journey for five years and my husband's still coming around, you know, like he decluttered the shed out recently and there was a box out there. I walked out there. I'm like, did you really still have the box from my camera that he bought me like 10 years ago? I'm like, <laughs> right. you have the box. And he was, he was like, don't put any interjections in here or I'm going to stop doing it right now. I was right, like, okay, right. I won't say anything, but just that idea of like, it's okay for your, your family members to not be hundred percent on board mm -hmm. and establishing those zones, those areas that are like, okay, this space is a, a communal space. This space is going to be clutter free, whatever you do in your bedroom, whatever you do in the bottom of your closet, whatever you do in the shed. Okay. But these spaces that are like for the sanct sanctity of all of us, like those places are going to be. So 
I know that kind of spiraled a lot, but I think it is very important to look at when getting rid of the stuff that it's more than just getting rid of a box. So whether it be your stuff or somebody else's stuff, like being mindful of that, that there may be, it may be just a dirty old pair of socks for your husband, but there's maybe a story attached to that. There's Mm -hmm. maybe an emotional connection behind that. There's a reasoning. There's so many other layers as to why they might not want to get rid of their stuff. This is the same as with you. And I, you know, it brings up, I have a client of mine who went from, you know, I think she'd worked with like multiple different decluttering people in the, or done different challenges or programs and things like that in the past. And, and she felt like she continued to just struggle getting rid of all of the stuff. And at one point while working together, it clicked for her that she had an emotional attachment to her stuff because when she was a child, her dad left their family. Mm. And at that time for her, she put on this story and this interpretation that stuff does not leave you like your dad does. And so from being a child to an adult, Mm -hmm. she'd been holding on to stuff because her stuff wouldn't leave her like her dad did. And it wasn't until she realized that that was why she was holding on to stuff that then she became a tornado getting rid of so much stuff because she realized that that wasn't the attachment that she needed. So understanding that there's all of those other layers to it that can also be really freeing if you're feeling like, gosh, I've tried so many times. It's just not working. It's just not sticking for me. There may be that deeper layer that needs to be uncovered. Yeah. I love that. That self-awareness is huge. You know, it's, it's not just about the, um, the willingness, you know, it sounded like she had the willingness, but she had a stuck point. And Mm -hmm. and, yeah, I love that story. And, and that's, that's really true. My husband, my husband does, he has, he has attachments to things (laughs) and I just have to back off. I learned this a long time. We've been together for almost 25 years. So I have to, I've learned in the beginning, I just, oh my gosh, why do you need all these? Why do you need two couches in the living room? Yeah. <laughs> for instance. Yeah. Um, and I just learned to back off. You know, yeah. I, 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 this is, and he's got lots of spaces where he can keep his stuff. I also learned with my kids is that a lot of times that they will, you know, I have tried to initiate, okay, let's go through your things they will do it when they're ready mm-hmm. and they do. It's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we'll, sometimes it's when we're making room for something else, a bigger bed. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter just had a birthday. So I, we're going to paint her pink walls. We're going to, to paint them. Um, I think she wants to do a light gray. And I yeah. said, okay, so here's the thing that's going to have to happen is we're going to have to go through this stuff. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. So there's, it, they have to be motivated in some yeah. way, but I've learned that if I back off, they're mm-hmm. more open to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then like thinking like I, of that big vision, right? Like, what are you trying to teach your kids? Are you trying to teach them that they have to live with minimal stuff? Are you yeah. trying to teach them like there's these daily adult habits that we have to have? And so having that, like you talking about that vision, like what do we want our do- kids to have? Like, what are those tools in their tool belt when they launch out of our house and they're off in the world? Like, what is the most important thing that you want them to gain. Mm. And for me, it was that realization, like, I don't want them to think that they have to live up to this clean perfection all the time, right? but I want them to know that taking care of their things and taking care of their space and having these habits in place is extremely important as well. So for us, it's not necessarily like, what's the end result that we accomplish in there, but Mm -hmm. what is it? How can I help them 
create those habits and create those neural pathways themselves. So we right. have, they have a 15 minute sweep, you know, almost every single day I'll say, okay, I'm going to set the timer for 15 minutes and whatever they get done in that 15 minutes is one thing. And, but also knowing that I'm in there helping show them, helping right. teach them like, mm-hmm. okay, let's do the hangers first. Let's make sure like, how the heck do we have 50 hangers on the floor every single day? I don't right. know, but like, <laughs> let's get the hangers back in the, and then let's get the clothes in the laundry basket. Like, let's do these things. And so just focusing on those small, like, what are those habits that they need when they grow up? Like they need to be able to put their laundry in the basket. Like they need to be able to do these small things. And so focusing on those small little micro habits that are going to help create that big vision picture Mm. that we want for them. I love that. I love that. And that, that, that changes it is, mm-hmm. is what do we, you know, the intentionality, like you talked about, about, yeah. okay, what is, is it that we're teaching them that we're living with less stuff? No, that's not ultimately what, what I want to teach them. I want to teach them yeah. life, life skills, right? Things that are yeah. going to help them to succeed, you know, yeah. it, when they have roommates or when they, if they eventually get married or, um, or, you know, just in daily life and, and that, the, the feeling like the making the bed, yeah. That feeling of accomplishment and, mm-hmm. and win, you know, mm-hmm. Renee, this has been amazing. There's been, there have been so many gold nuggets in this conversation. And so this is a, um, this, uh, this show is about possibility. So can you tell us about a time where you either accomplished something or overcame something that felt impossible in motherhood? Yeah. So, you know, for me, I think back to that moment when I was in Hawaii and like that year post my, my kid, my husband having his brain tumor, because that was one of the hardest years ever. And those mo- that moment that I felt like I wouldn't be able to do it, couldn't do it. And I remember, you know, like I was saying, I wrote a, just wrote a chapter as a part of a book and I was recalling that, that time and mm-hmm. recalling those moments. And I remember sitting in the waiting room at the hospital and I didn't want anybody to go with me to the hospital. I, because I knew that if I had somebody else sitting there with me, it would allow space for all of those doubts and those fears to come in that I felt like I could control my energy better if it were just me. Like if I didn't have anybody else's energy on top of me. And so I remember like walking through that and feeling like we made it through we got through that space. We got through it. And then three months later, when my husband had his first seizure in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and that fight or flight sort of response and that adrenaline, like people talk about like that adrenaline kick in when, you right. know, like in emergency situations like that, you don't, I don't think you quite understand it until it happens. Right. And then mm-hmm. I remember getting to the, to the hospital later and feeling like, I can't believe that as a mom, I've made it through this, like, or the year later, you know, like, and just looking at that whole year and getting to that lowest point that I've ever been in and feeling like there is no way out, like Mm -hmm. there was a way out. And so no matter what that circumstance might look like, there is always that possibility and that hope coming out of those deepest, darkest spots. Yeah, Renee. Yeah. That I can only imagine that year that, that, uh, that's tough. And with, with kids too, going through that with kids. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is when, um, when, uh, I was, um, when I was pregnant with my first, and so we were planning this 
beautiful, natural birth, right? And it turned, it was complete opposite of what ended up happening. And, um, and, but we were doing this Bradley birth method. And the one thing, and my, my husband and I joke about this and use it still, but she said, there's going to come a point where, where the mom is going to look at you and she's going to say, I can't do this. And she <laughs> said, you look her in the eyes and you say, you are doing this. Like yeah. whatever it is going through that year with your husband, going through that, that, that year of, you know, I'm almost losing my baby, um, that, that we, we are doing it. It's not, mm-hmm. we can't, we, we mm-hmm. are doing it. And there is yeah. so much, there's so much, so much more. We are resilient, you know, yeah. and that we can make it through. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing that story. That's a really yeah. vulnerable, vulnerable place to be, but you made yeah. it to the other side and now yeah. you're helping, you're helping moms, you're helping yeah. women to, um, to, you know, with what you learned. And mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. So how can, how can my listeners, uh, get a hold of you? How can they find you? Yeah. I think the easiest way is over on the podcast at rising mm-hmm. moms podcast. I am on Facebook and Instagram and it's either Renee Fick or rising moms. So if you search either one, usually you can find me on either one of those or the website is the Renee Fick, what you talked about or the rising moms.com. So okay. those are kind of the easiest places to find me. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And please go over and check out rising moms. She has uh, Renee has an amazing podcast and you might want to think about uh, rating, reviewing, and subscribing. <laughs> that yeah. would be amazing. Um, but she, she's had, she, how many, you've been doing this for a while now, haven't you? Your yeah, we, we hit a hundred episodes this last December. So yes, congratulations. Yeah. Sweet, yeah. sweet. Yeah. You've had some amazing, uh, amazing uh, guests on your show and, um, and, you know, it's important for us yeah. to, uh, the, the more that, um, and, and the reason it's not just, Hey, Hey, so we can get more ratings that here's the thing about the ratings and the reviews and the subscribes is that, um, the more, the more people that rate and re- review and subscribe, that means more that, that it's going to be shown to more and more people. Yep. Okay. Yep. So the more, you know, and I, Renee, I think you and I are very similar in that, it's the reach. I want more and more women to mm-hmm. get the messages, right? Yes. And, and yes. So that's really, that's what it's all about. It's not just like, a, oh, hey, look at me. It's it's really, it's so that we can expand the reach. So more and more 100%. moms can rise up in their lives, like you yep. talked about. Yep. And you had talked about um, a, a, a little giveaway for, for our listeners. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I have a course that I have created that is called Clean in 15. And it's geared towards kind of those, some of those foundational pieces of how do you establish a clean house in 15 minutes or less a day. And so it kind of talks and walks through the the basics and the reasoning behind some of the the decluttering and and why like multitasking what most moms think is really great is actually really a downfall for us and really hurting us in a lot of ways and so it's just a really it's an easy course to walk through so if you're feeling like gosh I don't even have any much how much time to walk through a course I think I could be wrong but I think the whole course is it's broken up into chunks but I think you could probably do it in a half an hour so if you wanted to fold right. laundry and listen to it and go through it you probably could do that but um, it's just at cleaner in one five so cleanerin15.com. That's fantastic and yeah. very generous. And oh yeah. my gosh, <laughs> I love that. All right, Renee, yes. this has been amazing. Thank you for for coming on the show and and taking your time today. And Thank you. Uh, and just remember that anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Goodbye yep. for now.
Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. Now, if you haven't already, go ahead and download the High Vibe Toolkit. It's a mom's guide for taking yoga off the mat and into your life. You'll learn how to create your own unique toolkit full of tools for raising your vibe quickly and getting yourself out of a funk in record time next time you find yourself in one because funk happens, right? You'll learn how to tap into your inner mentor to cultivate more joy, more connection, and more harmony in your life as you return to your natural high vibe self. You'll raise the vibe in your home as you reclaim your own inner vibe. Now, this is the only guide designed to help moms who want to feel alive, keep their yoga vibe flowing both on and off the mat, no matter what comes next. So download the High Vibe Toolkit at www.highvibetoolkit.com and reclaim your inner vibe. Anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Goodbye for now.